I sing for all you've done for me. It's a great way to end uh, that song. It's a great way for us to begin this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, flip open to two passages. I want you to go to Acts chapter 4 and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Acts chapter 4 uh, and Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be wrapping up uh, our Deuteronomy 6 study this week uh, by looking initially at, Deuter- at, at Acts chapter four uh, as we begin here, but um, I've, I've enjoyed this study, and, and I want to cap it off today with, uh, with just something that, that can be encouraging for us, because, you know, in today, uh, we, we tend to have this idea that we need something newer or better or greater or improved, and we keep looking for that, that something, like there's just something else uh, the, this could be improved this way, that could be improved that way, or we've got the latest model, the new edition of uh, the iPhone or the watch or the computer or the car or something. We're always looking for something more, something better. And I was, I've been reading this book. I've read it several times over the years, and it's a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And if you ever heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, it was written by the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, whose wife is the director of the choir. And, and as I was reading that this week, uh, there were, it just kind of left out to me this idea of newer, better, greater. And he said, you know, there's something to be said about what the scriptures just tell us. And in Acts chapter 4, I think on the topic we're going to be on today, uh, I think Acts chapter 4 is a really good way for us to go back to the basics. Then we're going to go all the way back to Deuteronomy and and look at how that kind of applies to that. And so um, before we dive in, let's pray, uh, because this is as good a place as any for us to to go to the Lord and ask him to be with us this morning and and, in the study of his word. And then we're going to dive into Acts chapter 4. So kind of have that one queued up uh, as, as we finish. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful this morning, Lord, that, uh, that you are who you say you are. Fathers, we sang those songs this morning. I was, uh, I was just thinking about uh, you know, how awesome and wonderful you are, how we can be in awe of you, um, Lord, and, and of all the great and marvelous things that you have done, that, Lord, we wouldn't, be, uh, that we wouldn't find ourselves being comfortable in those things, Lord, but that we would constantly just be in awe of you. Lord, we'd be in awe of the sacrifice you made that we could come here today. Lord, we aren't here to see what you can do for us, or we are here uh, for you, Father. We're here to worship you, to honor you. Uh, we've done so in, in the raising of our voices to sing this morning. We've done it in giving back to you a portion of what you've given to us. Lord, we're here to mark the beginning of our week, uh, to, to, to place you first in our lives as we begin this week for you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that, that as we study your word this morning, that, that we would begin to see Father, what you desire to do in us, what your will for our lives is. And and Lord, it's not newer or greater or it's not improved. It's no new revelation. It's not anything new that you are doing. It's just simply what you desire for us to do in, in its most simplest form, in its oldest form. And so Father, I pray today that as we study your word, Lord, you, you know each and every one of our hearts. You know the things that we need to hear. Uh, and so Father, I, I pray this morning, Lord, that that, that, Lord, you would, just, uh, that you would just silence Satan, that we would not be distracted by anything this morning. Uh, Father, that for the next few minutes, that, that, that no one would, we wouldn't receive any texts, our phones wouldn't go off with any emails. Um, God, that we would just be able to focus on you and what your word has to say to us this morning. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Acts chapter 4. I want to begin here, but the beginning of the chapter begins with Peter and John uh, before the council. They'd been preaching. A beggar had been healed. Uh, the, the, the church, so to speak, the, the Pharisees, they're all up in arms. The religious leaders are up in arms over what they're doing because they're proclaiming the name of Jesus. And so they get arrested uh, and, and, and they're, they're arrest them and put them in custody. This is in verse 3. Until the next day, for it was already evening. But listen to this. Many of those, and I want you to notice what happens here. Many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So this guy had been healed. Uh, Peter preaches, 5,000 heard and believed. And so uh, we, we go on to the, kind of toward the end of the, or the middle of the chapter, and they're before the council. The guys are amazed because of, 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 of Peter and, and John's boldness, and, and, and they're, they're, they said that these are just ordinary guys that are filled with the power of God. And, and, and John said, or Peter and John answered uh, a question that they'd asked. They said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak, but speak what we have seen and heard. And then later on in the chapter, beginning in verse 23, they're released and, and they come together with the people and they pray. They get together and they pray. And part of this prayer is in verse 29. And it says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you, God, stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, if we go back to Deuteronomy chapter six and, and, and how we're gonna wind up, the, most simp the, 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 the simplest, most basic thing that you and I can do is talk about Jesus. I appreciated Melissa's words this morning and, and even how they segued into the message because we are not to be conformed to the world, that we're not to blend in with them. I think sometimes we wanna be like undercover Christians. We wanna look like the world on the outside, but have something about us different on the inside. But here's the thing with Jesus. When Jesus begins to transform us on the inside, it can't help but make its way to the outside. If it's not, if it's not working its way out, I would say it's a, a, a combination of some things. One, maybe God's not transforming you on the inside like he needs to. Two, you may be resisting the change, rebelling, resisting. You can throw in your word there, the change that God wants to work on the outside. It may just be that we're, again, we're living in, in rebellion and we don't wanna do what God wants us to do. But here's the thing that we've got to understand. If we are resisting him, we will never be able to experience the life that God desires for us. All the joys we sing about in the songs, the peace of God that, we, that surpasses all understanding, loving the Lord, knowing that God has, will give us the desires of our hearts, all those things are gonna be foreign to us and absent from our life if we aren't living a life surrendered to Christ Jesus. And, and, and the only way for us, well, let's just go, that was kind of a rabbit trail. Let's go back and focus on Deuteronomy chapter six. Because there's this idea, the most basic premise, I, I was going somewhere with that, but we aren't to look like the world. 
We are to be different. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are a, a royal priesthood, a, a peculiar people. We're different. We are set apart for God's purposes. And as we wrap up this, this story, I'm going to give you a cliff note of, the, of, of, of Deuteronomy chapter 6, just in case you've not been with us. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you have God's people finally, finally preparing to go into the land that God had promised their, their, their ancestor Abraham years and years ago. You've been four, five, six hundred years that have passed waiting on this day to happen. He promised Abraham, and, and, and then we get down into the lineage, and they wind up in Egypt because of the, the plague. And then after the plague, uh, they're there in Egyptian slavery for 400 years. And then finally, God sends Moses in, and Moses leads the people out of slavery by these wonderful uh, deeds, of uh, miracles, and, 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 and signs and wonders that God displayed in, in Pharaoh's life until Pharaoh said, I need you guys out of here. I want you gone. They leave. They get to the, de- the Red Sea. The, the Egyptians are coming, breathing down their neck. God parts the waters. The Israelites walk through. The Egyptians start coming. God closes the waters up. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of rebellion. And finally, finally, they are on the cusp of, of going into the promised land. And Moses has the one final word for, for them. And it's, it's basically the book of Deuteronomy. And and chapter six is a a really good summary of what's going on. And so he says, beginning in verse four, he says, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. There is one God. You came out of a land where there were lots of gods. You're going into a land where there's lots of gods. There's one God and you need to love him with all your heart and with all your, your, your soul and with all your strength, with an intensity, a fervency that you love him. And when you do that, his word is going to be written on your heart. You're going to want to do what God commands us to do because we know that it is good for us. It is right and good for us to do those things. And he says, not only that, but I want you to teach it to your children. I want, you know, God's word needs to be on their hearts as well. And I want you to talk about it. Remember when he says, I want you to talk about it when you lie down and when you rise, when you sit and when you're just walking by the way. And he goes on and he begins to talk about you know, how all that God is getting ready to do for them, how he, he brought, he's bringing them into the land that he swore to your fathers with great, food, with great and good cities that you didn't build and houses full of good things that you didn't fill and cisterns that you didn't dig and vineyards and orchards that you didn't plant and all these things that he's done. And he says, when God has done all these things, take care lest you forget him. Don't forget God in the midst of the blessing. And all these wonders and miracles and, and, and provision that God is providing for you, don't forget him and don't put him to the test. He's proved faithful, faithful up to this point. Don't begin questioning his faithfulness. And then he goes on and, 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 and he, he, he says, do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take possession of this good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. And today we get to the verses, where, the passage we're gonna look at today beginning in verse 20. And he says, when your son asks you in time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded you Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous 
against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment uh, before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. There's one simple thing that I think we, we draw to this text. We drew it out of, uh, of, of Acts chapter four and, and both, both Acts and Deuteronomy are similar in some ways that you have the early life of God's people. In Deuteronomy chapter six, you've got, you're getting this sense of this early life, this preparation that's getting ready to, to that's, that's happening before they enter into the promised land. In Acts, you have the early church beginning to blossom. Why? And, and it's, it's basically, it is, it's speaking the truth. It is speaking about God. It's talking about Jesus. That's how 5,000 people were saved in Acts chapter four. It wasn't signs and miracles and wonders. It was Peter talking about Jesus. And here we're told, he says, when your son asks, when your son asks, now we could, for us as parents, this applies to us. If, if you don't have kids, like it applies to you just the same. We could, we could paraphrase it like this. When someone asks, why do you do the things you do? Or why do you not do the things that everybody else does? Why do you do those things? Because if, we're, if, if what's happened to us as Christians on the inside, if what's happened to us on the inside is, is working its way outside of us, there are going to be some things that change and people are gonna ask questions. They're gonna to wanna to know what's going on. Why, why do you not use this language anymore? Why, why do you not come and chat with us at the water cooler every day? Why do you not do this? Why, I, I noticed like during lunch, like you're bowing your head. You know, what's up with that? You used to, I guess you're praying. You used to never do that, man. Why, why all of a sudden are you doing that now? And we, and we are faithful. It's like those words that, 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 that they prayed in Acts chapter four. He said, and now look upon, your, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They're praying for courage, the courage to speak. Now for us, there's, this, there's, this, there's a significance to what Paul's saying here for us as parents or, or what Moses is saying for us as parents. For us as parents, our primary mission field is our, our, is our children. That we need to make sure, grandparents, this would apply to you too, that we make sure that we are communicating God's grace and God's love and God's activity in our lives. And that, that also, like that, is that what we are saying and what we speak to them is backed up in the way that we live. It's not just like do as I say, not as I do. Because kids see right through that kind of stuff. It's, it's almost like Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. When we have those conversations with our children, when your sons ask, hey dad, why do we, or mom, why do we do this when everybody else is doing that? Why do we do this when nobody else does it, dad? Tell me why, tell me why at lunch you want me to, to bow my head and you want me to pray. No one else at my table bows their heads and, and, and prays before over their meal. Why, Dad? Why, why do you want me to do that? And we, and we have a reason to tell them. And look what he says. So when, when your son asks, what's the meaning of the things that we're doing? 
and that we're obeying the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? And he says, then you shall say to your son, we were slaves in Egypt. Now here, here's basically what this is. Now, I, I don't think any of us here, I know none of us here, know what it's like to be, like to be in, in, in a physical bondage or slavery where someone literally owned us and controlled every area and aspect of our life. But here's the, the gist of it. Look what he says. He says, we were... And then he says, and then, and then there's this, we are. So we were slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. You see, here, here's what, what the writers, what Moses is saying to us today. The timelessness of scripture is an amazing thing. When our kids ask us, hey dad, why do we do these things? Hey mom, why do we do these things? When, when people at work ask us, why, why, why are you different, man? Why are you not like everybody else? Here's what it is. It's, it's, it's personal testimony. This is what I was. I was a slave. No, nobody owned me. Nobody, nobody had my rights. I didn't have to buy my freedom. But I was a slave. I was a slave to sin. I did things that I really didn't want to do. I fall prey to some of the things. I noticed in one of the, the songs we sang this morning that he calls us out of chaos and in, into, into life gives us peace. He said, life was, was chaotic. I tried as hard as I could to do the things that I could do to fix the chaos, the insanity that felt like I was experiencing. And someone told me about Jesus. Someone told me about Jesus and what Jesus had done in their life. And you know what? I was, I didn't have any, I was out of options. I was willing to try anything to get out of this mess that I'd found myself in. And mess is a relative term. Some of us are, are you know, some of you may be really good people, but really good people can be lost people too. Can be really good, but we don't have Jesus in our life. And there's still some semblance of chaos. Others of us, life literally was chaotic. It was rough, like we had nowhere else to turn. We needed a rescuer. And here's what we find. When I realized the mess I was in and I saw what Jesus, or I heard what Jesus could do for me, I placed my faith. And you know what he did? He brought me out of this to bring me into something much better. Look what he says. He said, we were slaves and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and the Lord showed signs and great wonder, or signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and against his household before our eyes. Those would have been the 10 plagues. And he brought us out to bring us in. And so it's that personal testimony of what God has done in your life and in my life. You see, this does not mean that we have to have a Bible degree or a degree in theology to be able to tell people about Jesus. What has Jesus done in your life? And I think it's a question we need to ask and process. What has Jesus done in my life? And I say if you're a Christian here today, the number one thing he did was he, he saved you, he rescued you, he redeemed you, brought you out of darkness, out of sin, and brought you into life, into his marvelous light, into the recognition of who he is, that there is greater purpose and, 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 and greater opportunity out there because of Jesus, that there's peace. And that's just the beginning. 
It may, for some of us, we can even look back before and say, man, there were time and time again where I should have been dead, but in God's grace and mercy, he kept me alive so that I could hear the gospel and respond to it. That I should not be here today, but yet today I walk in God's grace and mercy. I walk in his great love for his people, wishing that none would perish and all would come to repentance. And he saved me even in my darkness. He saved me so that I could come and be ushered into his marvelous light. What has God done in your life? What is God doing right now? Not what are you waiting on God to do? What is God doing in you right now in this moment, in this present situation? And what does God desire to do in you in this moment, in this present situation? Because just like the world that we live in today, like we want to think about God doing the, the, the next great thing, this, this miracle that, that we need. God, prove yourself. Because you know it's like one minute, like he's good enough to save us, and we're like, oh God, we're so thankful for your grace and your mercy and your love. And the next minute something happens in life and we're like, man, I just don't know if God exists. And we're back and forth and we're back and forth. James has a, a phrase for that. It's like we're being tossed to and fro, like a ship in a storm. We're just tossed back and forth and back and forth. And sometimes God does not need to do anything new. God's people need to remember what he has already done. And say, God, you are faithful. Think about the Israelites, man. When, when, when he says, don't put the Lord your God to the test like you did at Massa, he's telling them, God over and over and over and over again provided for each and every need that you had. So don't begin to test him when you're beginning to walk over here. And the first place they're going to come to is a place called Jericho. And Jericho had these big, massive walls. It was like an impenetrable fortress. And you know what happens? They walk over there and he says, I want you to march around the city one time a day for seven days. Then I want you on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. Then I want you to shout and blow your trumpets. And guess what happened? Those walls literally fell down. And he's saying, I want, you to I want you to remember. Listen to what he says. I want you to, to, to uh, when your son asks in times to come, and you shall say that, that, that we did this. He's saying, I want you to retell all the things that God has done. For us this morning, we need to remember what God has done and retell the things that God has done. And man, that sounds so simple in a world of, of of what's next and what the new and improved, but it is simple is that, that we remember and we retell. We remember what God has done and we, and we remind our children of that and we retell it to other people that this is what God has done. Let me tell you how good my God is. Let me tell you about the God that I serve. Let me tell you about the God of the Bible and what he has done in my life, what he has rescued me out of, how he has changed my heart, how he has changed my mind. And I can probably go down through here and I could probably tell the story for each and every one of you about what God has done to you, of God, of God who, who, who brought people out of, 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 of suicide, a God who has brought people out of alcoholism, a God who has brought people out of, out of anger and, 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 and bitterness and brought them into life and allowed life to flourish and brought people into their life and are living happily now because they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and surrendered their life to him. 
But likewise, I can tell you of people who have come up to these altars right here and have prayed a prayer and thought that, that some simple words or some simple attendance was going to change their life. Folks, there's, not a, there's no magic formula about how your life can be changed. It's not a prayer you can pray. It's not a pew that you can sit in. It's not a church for you to go to. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. That's it. There's nothing more special about this church than any other church in town. If, if they're proclaiming Christ, you're not gonna find anything different somewhere else. Somewhere else isn't gonna necessarily find something different here. It is Jesus. And if we are rejecting Jesus at another church, we're, we're gonna reject him in this one. It is about us coming into a relationship with Christ Jesus and allowing him to manifest himself in us and change us from the inside out. And then watching how things begin to change and telling other people about what he has done. This is not the world's best kept secret. But it is about surrender. And listen, I want nothing more than for us as God's people to live in the goodness. Do you understand that God wants to bless your family? that God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. And he wants to use you to do it. And all you gotta do is say, okay, Lord, I'm in. I'm in. What do I need to do? And then when he says it, we do it. It's not like, oh, well, God, I meant if I'm good at something, then I'll do it. God, if, 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 I'm, if, I, if, I, if it fits into my wheelhouse, if it's something I really enjoy doing, I'll do it. But God, this is gonna make me really uncomfortable. I'm really not comfortable doing this thing that you asked. So I'm gonna pass on this one and I want you, but listen, don't pass. If God calls, do. If God says, do it. And watch, I, you think about Here's this early church. Think about the early church in Acts. Jesus dies, they hide, right? Like they're hiding out. Literally shutters closed, doors locked, afraid that they're next. Jesus shows up, bursts on the scene. The next thing you know, Peter, who perpetually had his foot in his mouth, is all of a sudden preaching these messages and thousands of people are being saved. Thousands of people are being saved. Thousands of people are being saved. And I think about that. And I think about our church and I say, how many people have we had saved in the last 10 years? It's not been thousands. I don't think it's been hundreds. I don't know that it's been a hundred. And then I start thinking to myself, are we really doing what God desires for the church to do if we aren't seeing people saved and baptized on a regular basis? Now, this is as much a reflection of me as it is anything. We were having a discussion on a Wednesday night. We were talking about the church. And it was in James. And James says, you know, this, you know, religion that is pure and undefiled is this, that we take care of orphans and we take care of widows. 
And when we made the comment, something along the lines of the comment was made like this, said we say that it's the church's responsibility. The church should do this. And oftentimes what we mean when we say this is the church's job is we mean this is the staff's job, right? Isn't that what we hired you for? We say when it's the church's job, it's the pastor's job. What's the, it's the pastor's job to do this. It's the you know, student pastor's job to do that. This is, falls on them. I'm scot-free because we hired someone full-time to take care of this stuff. And that's not, that's not what we should mean by when we say it's the church's responsibility. You see, if, you're, if we are looking at numbers here and we're just saying, well, how many people have been saved and we're expecting one person to, to lead all these people to Christ, we're never gonna make as much of an impact as we can when we add a force multiplier. If you have one person doing the work not much work's gonna get done. You have a lot of people doing the work, guess how much work gets done? And the beautiful thing is the people that Jerry and Jean see and the circles they run in are different than the ones that Jesse and Bethany run in, which are different than the ones that Michael and Amy run in, which are different than the ones that, 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 uh, you know, we, all, that we run in. We all, I mean, you start talking about Lebanon, Missouri, and man, we've got a pretty good base cover and we talk about people we can just start talking to Jesus about. And I'm not talking about preaching to them. I'm talking about just slipping into your everyday conversation the things that Christ has done in your life. It's being open to those opportunities that when people ask or when people talk, then you say your personal experience, your personal testimony. And it may be when the gossip mill's churning at work and you say, you know what? That used to be me too. I used to be just like that person you guys are talking about. But man, Jesus came into my heart and he has, he has transformed me. This is how I used to feel about myself. I used to feel like I was worthless and no good. I used to feel like I couldn't do anything right. And God helped me see that my identity in him is that I'm a beloved child of God and he created me with purpose and, and, and filled me with wonder. Like I am unique. There's nobody else like me. I'm special and God knows and loves me and, and, and knows the number of hairs that I have on my head. Even as I wash it and they fall out down the drain, he still knows has a, an accurate count. Like he knows me. And you know what? He knows you. And he knows exactly the struggles we have. He knows the insecurities we have. He knows the, the, the problems that we are facing. He knows the internal struggles that we are dealing with. He knows the, 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 the confidence we have in some areas. He knows the lack of confidence we have in other areas. And he's saying, listen, I, God's saying this, I am everything you need. If you'll surrender to me, the one true God. And if you'll love me with everything, if, if, you, won't, if you won't love other, if I don't have to compete with, the, with love of other things, if you will just love me, and if you'll do what is right and good in my eyes, listen to, what he, listen to some of the words that he uses in the chapter. He says that it would go well, this is in verse 18, that it would go well with you that you may go in and take possession of the, of the good land that the Lord your God sworn to give you by thrusting out your enemies. And then listen as he goes in, that he brings us out 
that he brings us out. Now, I want us to understand this. The Israelites, they're saying, he brought us out here to die. Jesus says, I'm bringing you out to bring you into something better. And he says the same thing to us. I have to call you out of the darkness that you live in. It's acknowledging that you're living in darkness so that I can call you out and bring you into the marvelous light, that I can call you out of chaos and bring you into peace, that I can call you out of slavery and bondage and bring you into freedom. But you have to follow me. You have to follow And that's why he says that you would do what is right and good in the eyes of the Lord. And then he goes on and he says, he brought us out that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to your forefathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he may preserve us alive as he has done to this day. Man, I love that phrase, for our good always. For our good always. Always. For our good. I think a simple question we get asked today is, do you believe that God wants good for you? And maybe if we're being honest this morning, like we're, we're thinking to ourselves, man, I just don't know. I've done some terrible things. I still find myself doing some terrible things. And let me, let me just, I'll shortcut it for you. God wants good for you. But that good only comes through him. It's not gonna be, that good doesn't necessarily come just by coming to church. That good doesn't come by just having a list of things and we're just trying to check it off, check the box. I did this, I did this, I did this. Where are you at, Lord? And he's saying, I'm right here. But when you seek me, you will find me. Right now, you're really not seeking me. You're seeking, you want to get out of jail free card. you You want all these consequences to go away. But listen, I want you to find me. If you find me in a church, that's fantastic. If you find me in the car riding down the street, that's good. If you find me in the workplace because someone's talking about Jesus, that's fine. But you need to find me. And that's what Jesus is telling us. Like, we need to find him. And when we have found him, we follow him. And when we follow him, we talk about him. And we let everybody know about this good and wonderful and marvelous God that we serve. That we don't keep it hidden up and and shy, but we have courage and we talk about. There are people in your life right now that are dealing with the same things that God has rescued you out of. And secretly, maybe even publicly, they're struggling with those things. And all they need to do is for someone to come and say, listen, man, I've been where you're at. And let me tell you about how how I got out of that. Or more importantly, or more accurately, who brought me out of that? And we share that. Or here's where I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this. We've got some battling illnesses and cancers and different things. You know, how do you have hope? Well, my hope isn't in the treatment. My hope is in the Savior, in my God and Savior. That's where my hope's at. That's why I can face this with, 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 you know, with, with strength and with courage and with hope. Because I know, I know who is I am. I know who I belong to. And I have nothing to fear. 
there's somebody in your circle, your sphere of influence, the people that you are around that don't need to come and hear from a preacher. What they need to hear from is a person. They need to hear Jesus from you. And you step back and watch as God does miraculous things that we'd have never thought possible when we as his people begin to get that back down to the basics. And we say, Lord, here's the deal. There's nothing new under the sun. Here's your word to us, that we love you, that we follow you, and that as we do that, we tell the things that you have done for us other people. And then we watch as God begins to turn hearts and God begins to change lives. And you watch as we have to tear that baptistry out because it leaks and we got to put a new one in because we need to fill it up every week. And we start baptizing people. Why? Not because you guys got some great preacher, but because we've got great people that are doing great work for God's great kingdom. We're praying for souls we're speaking to souls. We're being bold. And we're just doing the simple things that God calls us to do each and every day. Love him, serve him, and speak about him. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning.